You, you can't really uh, overestimate the importance of a good, godly dad. Family Circle commissioned the Gallup organization to study super achievers, those adults who have been most successful in accomplishing their goals in life. And so the Gallup people interviewed 237 extremely successful people in the field of business, sports, politics, the arts, and science, trying to find the keys to their success. And the first thing listed by the USA Today report result was this, attention shown by fathers. Now, let that soak in just for a second. For all of these super achievers, they said the number one thing that led to their success was a dad in the home that supported them. Wow. Psychology Today reported a similar study of more than 200 fathers surveyed over four decades. And the report began like this. Ward Cleaver had the best formula for fatherhood. Do y'all know who Ward Cleaver is? Leave it to Beaver's dad, all right? He always wore a suit or a tie all the time. What a great guy Ward was. Uh, here's what his formula for fatherhood was. You get involved with your kids. Whether it's playing a game of catch or lending a sympathetic ear, dads make a big difference. Come on, I'm not going to go on until you agree with me. Dads make a big difference. Now, I know there's a lot of guys out there who are nothing but skunks, right? But dads can make a big difference, and they do. The problem is a lot of dads don't. According to the latest statistics in America, 43% of all children, nearly half of them, live without a father in the home. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts came from a fatherless home. And 85% of the youths who are in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Now before you get mad at me or deny these statistics, let me tell you, that doesn't mean your child is destined for problems if there isn't a father in your house. What it does mean is that you're going to have to work double hard. Hmm? And the Lord is too. But I can tell you of dozens of stories of great men and women who grew up in a fatherless home and they made it okay. I can tell you about my dad, one of seven kids. When my dad was just a little boy, his father was killed in a tragic accident. It was on Christmas Eve. He was going to work. He drove his old pickup truck up over the railroad track in Midland, Texas. You had to drive up over the track. And when he got on top of the track, his pickup truck stalled. A train was coming. It bore down on him. His door jammed and he couldn't get out of the truck. And the train struck him and killed him. Grandma Harmon had to raise seven kids by herself. And even though my dad was a hoodlum growing up, <laughs> he turned out pretty good. Uh, he turned out as a godly man and he is a great dad. My wife grew up in a fatherless home. Her dad was a deputy sheriff in Corning, Arkansas, Clay County. One morning he was called out to, 
to a man's home who hated the sheriff and had threatened the sheriff to kill the sheriff. He threatened him in public. And when Glendall and the sheriff pulled up, this man was in an adjacent barn with an arsenal of weapons. He opened fire, and Angie's dad was tragically struck down and killed. That left Peggy to raise five kids on her own. And let me tell you, Miss Peggy did a good job. All five of those kids are wonderful people who love the Lord, and I got the pick of the litter. <laughs> Can I tell you this? The Lord is able. And if there is not a man in your home, if there is not a father in your house, let me tell you, God is able. But nevertheless, I think we would all agree, it is hard to replace the presence of a godly man in the home. One of the most practical books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. And there are 27 direct references to fathers in this book. Actually, there are many other indirect references, but the actual word father appears 27 times. In essence, the book of Proverbs contains 31 chapters of advice from a father to his children. It is addressed by Solomon to his sons. And it's all about fathering. And so today I'd like to go through the book of Proverbs and pick out some of these verses to teach us how to be godly dads. So men, perk up, take notes. If you ever wanted to know how to be a godly dad, we're going to find out from the book of Proverbs today how to be a godly dad. And first, first, number one, underlying factor to all of it, according to Proverbs 14, 26, a godly father is a man who fears the Lord. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. A godly man fears the Lord. Look at this verse. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The NIV puts it like this. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. A place of safety for a man who fears God. His children will have a refuge to run to. Why? Because that man puts God first place in his life and in his home. But what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, I don't think it means that you run scared of God all the time. The ideal conveys this thought of respect. You have a reverential respect for God. When we fear the Lord, we recognize that God is the supreme allied commander of the entire universe. God sits on the throne of the universe and we respect Him for the God that He is. He is holy and He is pure. And He is to be honored and obeyed. Now, when you have a man who fears the Lord, can I tell you something? It will set a different tone in the home. That home is going to be different if it is led by a father who fears the Lord. There you're going to find a family who prays before every meal. Why? Because they recognize everything they have comes from the Lord. And daddy is going to make sure that God gets the praise for that. There's going to be a home there where bedtime prayers are led with the children because they recognize the need for God's protection during the night. They're going to go to church on Sundays because the man of the house realizes and understands that God not only demands to be worshipped, but He deserves our worship. 
And he's going to bring his family to public worship. Even when there's other things going on. Because it's the right thing to do. There you will find a, a house that is cautious about the movies. And the television programs that they watch. Why? Because they understand Jesus lives in our house with us. There you're going to find a family that trusts the Lord during the lean times because they know their God is one who has promised to provide. And they are also the family that's going to praise God in the good times because they recognize the blessings come from the Lord. And it all starts with a godly dad who leads his family in respecting and worshiping God. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and the children are going to have a place of refuge. Your home should be a safe place for your kids. Because they know God's in control. And the daddy serves Jesus. Hmm? Number two, godly dads live lives of integrity. Proverbs 20 verse 7. A righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Proverbs 3.33 the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Now guys, what does it mean that a godly dad lives with integrity? Well, here's what it means. That man is going to do the right thing no matter what. It doesn't matter who's watching or who's listening or where he may be, whether it be in public or in private, he is going to do the right thing. You know why? Because it's the right thing to do. How many of y'all read the daily breads we pass out? That little devotional book, Our Daily Bread. Uh, one of the writers for Our Daily Bread is a, a, a devotional writer, Henry Bosch. And he wrote a story in the Daily Bread about when he was a boy. During the summertime, he would go to work with his dad. And every morning, the dad had the same routine. He would stop at a, a little store and pick up a newspaper. And then during coffee break, he would read the newspaper. Well, one morning, they stopped and picked up the paper. He went on to work. But when break time came, Mr. Bosch realized he had picked up two papers by mistake. They were so thin, they were kind of stuck together. And he had two of them, but he only paid for one of them. And so without even hesitating, he went back to the store to pay for the second paper. Here's what he said. I don't want the owner who is not a Christian to think I am a dishonest man. Now, most guys would just kind of forget, oh, what does it matter? You know, just a quarter or now it's a dollar, you know. What does it matter? We won't pay it. But no, he went back and paid it. About a week later, some expensive items were shoplifted from the store. The police calculated that at the time of the robbery, only two men would have been at the store, Mr. Bosch and somebody else. But the owner of the store said, well, I know it's not John. He's an honest man. Just last week, he came all the way back to the store to pay for a paper that he had picked up by mistake. It's not him. And so the police didn't even question Mr. Bosch. They went to the other man and in so doing, apprehended the culprit after he had made a full confession. But here's what the younger Bosch said about his father. Father's honesty and Christian character not only made a deep impression on that shop owner, but his actions also left an indelible mark upon my young and pliable mind. And guys, let me tell you, your kids are watching. 
And not only are they watching you, they're listening. What do other people say about you? How do other people treat you? How do other people feel about you? And above anything else, I want my kids to know I'm a man of integrity. That I'm going to do the right thing no matter who's watching or when it is. And guys, can can I tell you, sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes you have to swallow your pride, but you got to do it anyway. Do the right thing. Number three, godly dads remain true to their wives. Years ago when I first started pastoring, I was writing a a sermon on on the family, and I didn't have any business preaching really on the family because I didn't have one, didn't know much about uh, anything really. I was, boy, I was. But I read something that made a big impact on me, and I've remembered it ever since. Here's what it said. The greatest thing a man can do for his children is to love his wife. And as I've had three children, man, I've, I've tried to do that. The greatest thing I can do for Whitney, Callie, and Zane is to make sure they know their daddy loves their mama. And I do some real goofy things and say some stupid things and they roll their eyes. But you know what? They understand. I love this woman. They know that. Now here's what I want to do, guys. I want to read a passage in Proverbs that is very blunt. And normally this is a passage that, it, that would make my face turn red. And it probably will when I read it. But it's in the Bible. And we need to read it. I, I really don't know of any other passage that is more important for a healthy home than Proverbs chapter 5. And remember, this was written from a father to his son. This is a grown father writing to his grown son, and here's the wisdom that he gives him. Proverbs 5, beginning in verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. So what's this daddy saying to his adult son? Son, stay away from adulterous women. Stay away from women who try to seduce you away from your wife and your kids. You know what? That advice could be flipped around and spoken to women who have men in their life who are trying to seduce them. It goes both ways. But here it is written to a son from a father. You watch out for an adulterous woman. He continues down in verse 15 and says this, Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. And you're wondering, what what in the world is he talking about now? Cisterns and wells. I'll explain it. Verse 16. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. So this whole thing about cisterns and fountains is is what he's saying is this. Son, listen to me. Don't go looking for love in all the wrong places. Don't go down the street looking for affection and love 
or to have sex with an adulterous woman. No, you look for love in your own home, at your own fountain, at your own cistern. Verse 19. I'm going to turn around as I read this one. I wish I had sunglasses on too. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Now, we don't hear that word seductress very often. When was the last time you were in a conversation and you were discussing a seductress? Huh? We don't hear it often. But you know what? There are seductresses out there. I was at uh, an, a very small meeting with other pastors in Louisville, Kentucky at this mega church. The, the pastor, Bob Russell, who, who led that church for years, is now retired, and sometimes he brings pastors in. I was lucky enough to be in with him for three days of, of training and got to know Bob Russell. Great guy. Uh, his church, uh, when he was pastoring, only ran about 22,000 people on the weekends. I mean, huge mega church, beautiful, beautiful building there in Louisville, Kentucky, but he was talking to us guys, and, and he was talking about this thing of, of being true to your spouse and being faithful and watching out for, for women who come to seduce you, and he said, it's happened to me on multiple occasions. He said, one occasion, the service was over with, and, th and again, this is a vast auditorium that seats over 12,000 people. He says, the lights had already come down. I was walking down one of the corridors in the hall, and he said, there was this woman standing there waiting for me. And he says, I have to admit, she was a beautiful, beautiful woman. And as, as I walked by, she said something to me, and I spoke to her, and, and she, she caught me and wanted to talk to me. And he said, it became very clear, very quick, that the devil had sent this woman, and she was a seductress. She was there to seduce me. And he said, I, I did what Joseph did. I got out of there. I got out of there as fast as I could. And he says, guys, understand it doesn't matter how good looking you are or how ugly you are. It doesn't matter who you are. Sometimes the devil will send a seductress into your life to tempt you and to pull you away. And, and listen, this is not only for guys, it's for the ladies in this church as well. The, the devil does that. The devil wants to break up your home. The devil wants to pull you apart from your spouse. He wants to wreak chaos in your family. He will send seductresses into your life. But you need to do what my friend Bob Russell did and the wisdom from Proverbs. You get away from that. Don't give in to that. I want to go back up to verse 19. Not the first half of it, but the last, last phrase there in verse 19. Here's what it says. Always be enraptured. By your wife's love. Do you hear that, guys? Always be enraptured by your wife's love. Men are here commanded to always be enraptured, to always be in love with their wives. Not with somebody else's wife. With your wife, the wife of your youth. Now, guys, let me tell you, that doesn't happen automatically. Just because you walked down an aisle and said, I do, and you did, it doesn't mean there's going to be heavenly bliss from then on. You're going to have to work if you're going to have a good marriage and if you're going to stay in love with your wife. 
It happens when we choose to remain committed to each other for the long haul. And nothing is more important for the family than that. Nothing is more important for your children than for you men to love your wife. There's a similar passage in Proverbs chapter 31. Now, we usually think of Proverbs 31 as the pen-perfect portrait of this perfect woman. But it also says something about the woman's husband. It tells us that he loves her, that he affirms her verbally, that he trusts her. Listen to verse 10 of Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And verse 28 says, Her children will rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. You might say, well, how does he do that? What does he say to her? How does he verbally affirm her? Well, his words are recorded in verse 29. Here's what he said to his wife. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Guys, you get that? It's like me saying, baby. <laughs> baby. Baby, baby, baby. Let me turn that strobe light on you, baby. Baby, baby, baby. Baby, there's a lot of other women in this world, but there ain't one of them like you. You're the best. Baby, you're the best. And I mean it from my heart, okay? That's what it means, guys. Right there, you affirm them verbally. That was weak. Forget it. If you're going to clap like that, just don't clap at all, man. I mean. Point is this, godly dads are faithful to their wives and they work on their marriages every single day. Number four, godly dads teach their children the way of the Lord. Really, this is the great theme of the book of Proverbs. It runs throughout the Bible. Just listen to how the main part of this book begins in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And then if you skip over to chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in my in my mother's sight, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. So get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Here's what this daddy said. My daddy taught me the word of God. So now I have not only the responsibility but the privilege to teach you the word of God. So... Children, get it. Understand it. This book gives you wisdom and these words give you life. And I'm passing it down to you. A legacy. A legacy to you. Now, there are several ways to do that, dads. Probably the most basic way. We're told in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You share with your kids the word of God and the teachings from God throughout the day. Deuteronomy 6 says you do it when you lie down at night, when you rise up in the morning, when you're sitting in your house, 
And even when you're walking along the way or driving down 540, use every opportunity God gives you to teach your kids something about God. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Why? Because it's foundational teaching. And I'm here to tell you, a godly dad teaches their children the ways of the Lord because this is the way of life. This is the way to heaven. And if you love your kids, you're going to teach them the Word of God. Number five is somewhat controversial, but I've got to, I've got to say it today because our country needs this. Number five, godly dads correct their children when it's necessary. Hmm? Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest His correction. From whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as a father the son in whom He delights. I know God loves me because when I get out of line and when I make a bad decision, when I do something wrong, God corrects me. And if I love my kids, I'm going to correct them too. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And then Proverbs 29, 17, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Let me break it down and put it like this, as plain as I can. Children, teenagers, even young adults, they need correction. They need direction. They need perimeters in their life. And, and you may not think kids want this. They may act like they don't want it, but they really do. I think God made us that way. We have this need to be directed and guided in life. And it is our responsibility as parents to give that correction and that guidance and to lay those boundaries down for our family. And if we don't do it, Number one, it's not going to be done. And number two, our society will suffer the consequences. You want to know why our world is so wrong today? Because there is no respect for authority. Kids go to school, they don't respect their teachers, they don't respect the, the principals. They're playing sports and they don't respect the, the referees, blame everything on the referees. Why are the kids blaming the referees? Because the parents are in the stands blaming the referees. Oh, don't get me going. Then they, they grow up and they, they get a job. And they can't keep a job because they don't respect their boss, who's the authority over them. They don't respect our government or the laws. You know why? Because they weren't taught that as a child. Now, let me just say this. If you're really mad and ticked off, and if that kid has really done something bad that makes your blood boil... Don't, don't correct them right then. You cool off first. Okay? You cool off first. And then, then you correct them. I, you know, I think it's true. I, my, my parents told me this, and I didn't believe them. They said, this is going to hurt me a lot worse than it's going to hurt you. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? But you know what? As a parent, I understand that now. It really does. And men, if you, if you, love, if you love your kids, you will correct them. If you love your wife, you will no. <laughs> we needed some humor there, didn't we? Godly dads correct their children when necessary. 
And then finally, godly dads make their children proud of them. Proverbs 17, 6, children's children are the crown of old men. I, I, I think that's what that's saying is grandchildren are awesome. Isn't that what that's saying? Yeah, all right. And the glory of children is their father. Did you get that? The glory of children is their dad. Listen to this Father's Day card. Dear Dad, and I could say this to my dad. Let me say this to my dad. Dear, dear Dad, dear Will Sr., you've always been there in my corner no matter what. When I felt confused, you were there to help me find direction. When I felt like giving up, you were there to encourage me. I, I still remember the letter you wrote me. Things are never so bad they couldn't get worse. <laughs> or ever so good they couldn't get better. I needed that. When I had to make hard decisions, you were there to help me find strength. When I told you my hopes and my dreams, you were there to help me reach out for them. And when good things happened, you were there with cheers and applause. Can I tell you what? I'm proud of my dad. I am proud of the godly dad God has given me. I'm thankful for him. And I want to be that for my kids. Uh, my oldest daughter, Whitney, lives in Little Rock. She couldn't be here today, so she sent me a, uh, a Father's Day card. Got it in the mail yesterday, and it's, it's so cool. Had my name on it, and then if you all know Whitney, you'll, you'll see this. Out beside my name on the front of the card, she wrote a note to the postman. Dear postman, please deliver this to the best dad ever. And she had an arrow to my name. Well, that made me feel really good. Okay? I want my kids to be proud of me. The only way that can happen is for me to be a godly man and to pass down a spiritual heritage to them. Now, here's what I got to say to you in closing. None of us are perfect dads. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm far from perfect. None of you are perfect moms, and none of us are going to raise perfect kids. But can I tell you this? Our society, and America in particular, is in deep trouble today. And much of the blame is due to a lack of godly fathering in the home. So today, I'm calling you men to step up to the plate, to roll up your sleeves, to get the bat, and to go down swinging, man. You swing for the fence. You swing for your family. You be a godly dad. It's not easy, but you know what? Nothing in life is easy. And you've been called to be a godly man. Today I'm calling you out. You be the light in a dark world for your family. You can't do that on your own. So would you join me at the altar today as we ask God to help us be the men he's called us to be. Heavenly Father, would you please help my friends join me at the altar today as we cry out to you and ask for help in being the man you've called us to be. I pray for everyone in this room, whether they're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, help us to be the people you've called us to be. And dear Lord, if someone in this room is not saved, I pray that today they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. And for those of us who are dads, may we lay our life on the altar today and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand.
Men, men, would you come and pray with me at the altar today? Would you guys? I'm calling you guys out. Come on, let's pray together as men. Let's unite in heart today and in life and ask for God's help in doing what he's called us to do and be. Would you come and join me here as we pray?